the right, the right, blast, blast the right, the right, blast. Greetings, this is podcast number 35 of Blast the Right. I'm Jack Clark from TheRationalRadical.com, www.TheRationalRadical.com. Today we have two segments for you. First, I'll present another installment in the never-ending series, The 3,672 Ways Right-Wingers Cause Increased Human Misery, Suffering, Pain, and Death. Second, we'll listen to Bill O'Reilly show why he's a strong contender for the title of number one right-wing media thug. Oh, let's get right into it. I often play this clip where we hear Rush Limbaugh proclaim, Roosevelt is dead. His policies may live on, but we're in the process of doing something about that as well. What does this mean? What does it mean to the people of the United States to kill Roosevelt's programs, the country's social safety net, and protective regulatory mechanisms like the Environmental Protection Agency? It means, undeniably, increased human misery, suffering, pain, and death. That's what it means. I'll give you three examples. Right-wingers want to, one, Prevent us from protecting the health of our children. Two, conceal from us the poisoning of our air and water. And three, allow some of us with cancer to needlessly die. Now the details. Protecting the health of our children. In the last years of the 20th century, it became apparent that our children are under attack. They increasingly suffer from asthma, developmental disabilities, and childhood cancer. Parents naturally want to have solid information on what they can do to lessen the chances that their children will suffer such afflictions. To address the mounting toll that these conditions were taking on America's children, Congress in 2000 set up the National Children's Study. It would select 100,000 children and track them from the womb until they reached the age of 21. This study was designed to find out how environmental factors, both natural and synthetic, affect child development, how these factors contribute to the aforementioned diseases and conditions. Now, Would this be a wise expenditure of the taxpayers' money? I quote from a New York Times article by Julie Bick. A cost-benefit analysis was performed as part of the study's preparation, said Dr. Peter Scheidt, director of the study. Quote, The childhood illnesses and conditions that this study addresses are so burdensome and costly to the nation, he said, that any measurable impact the study has, even on one of the major conditions for one year, would pay for the cost of the study. Close quote. And the study was all ready to go. 
Quote, last September, the National Institute of Child Health and Human Development announced seven sites where the study would start, including Queens and New York. Close quote. So do the Bushians make sure this study is done to help reduce the amount of human misery, suffering, pain, and death, and to save money at the same time? No! Unfortunately, because of the Bush administration, the time when parents will get the information they need to protect their children has been pushed far into the future, if ever. As part of proposed budget cuts, the Bush administration wants to kill the study. How much would it have cost in 2007? $69 million. $69 million out of a $2.8 trillion federal budget. That's one five hundredth of one percent. In other words, out of every $500 of the federal budget, one penny was going to this study. How penny-wise and pound-foolish. And how cruel. How many additional children will needlessly develop and suffer from asthma, developmental disabilities, and childhood cancer that otherwise wouldn't have had we known how to remove the environmental causes or triggers for these conditions? How many additional children will die? Ask your friendly local right-winger and tell me what he or she says. A side note, this attempt to cancel the National Children's Study makes especially reprehensible Bush's recent exploitation of Jason McElwain, that artistic high school basketball player, the one who served as manager all year, and then the final game he was allowed to suit up and they put him in, and he quickly scored 20 points, including six three-pointers, and his teammates carried him out on their shoulders. I didn't see it. But I understand it was a real and legitimate tearjerker. Well, Bush stopped by near where McElwain lives and met him for a typical patented phony right wing, the meaning is the opposite of what it appears, photo op. Bush acted all buddy buddy and supportive of Jason. But the reality is, as you've just heard, Bush wants to kill the study designed to help prevent, among other things, developmental disabilities, one of them being autism. Okay, let's go on to our second example of right-wingers working to achieve increased human misery, suffering, pain, and death. This one involves allowing more poisons to be released into our air and water without our being able to find out about it. I got this information from a New York Times op-ed piece written by Senator Jim Jeffords. He's an independent from Vermont and the ranking member of the Senate Environment and Public Works Committee. His co-author is Julie Fox Gorte, a vice president and chief social investment strategist for the Calvert Group. The Calvert Group runs some of the largest social responsibility investment funds. I have some money with them. As you probably know, in Bhopal, India in 1984, a Union Carbide pesticide plant leaked a deadly gas, methyl isocyanate. Thousands were killed and even more injured.
In response, Congress in 1986 created the Toxics Release Inventory Program, which, quote, requires companies to tell the public how they dispose of or release nearly 650 chemicals that may harm human health and the environment. The disclosure program makes data available for anyone, journalists, policymakers, investors, or parents, to learn exactly which chemicals are being released from corporate smokestacks and discharge pipes. Close quote. Now, doesn't that sound like information we'd like to have, that we need to have? Even you right-wingers, if poison gets dumped near you, don't even you want to know? The program has been largely successful. For example, quote, After Hurricanes Katrina and Rita, first responders used toxics release inventory data to identify factories and industrial sites where toxic chemical releases would have been possible. A Texas community used such data to inform the public when companies were polluting the rich shrimp and oyster breeding grounds in the Gulf of Mexico. Close quote. So, being good stewards of the environment and wanting to protect the health of all Americans, right-wingers certainly would want to improve and strengthen this useful and effective program, correct? Of course not! The Bush EPA is proposing measures to weaken it. One, instead of having to report every year, the companies can now report every other year. Eh, we don't need to know every year. Just tell us every two years what kind of poisons you're spewing out at us. Two, polluters would be allowed to release ten times as much toxic chemicals, up to 5,000 pounds a year, without disclosing the volume released or where the pollutants went. Eh, what's another 4,500 pounds of poison? I don't care about that. Three, companies would be allowed to, quote, conceal releases of up to 500 pounds annually of particularly dangerous toxic materials like PCBs, lead, and mercury, which can accumulate in people's bodies. All three changes effectively increase the amount of pollution that companies can emit without telling anyone. Close quote. And you know what the scary part is? None of this requires congressional approval. All the EPA has to do is notify Congress. Hey, Congress, we're going to poison you all some more. Too bad. Is there opposition? You bet. Quote, a bipartisan group of 12 state attorneys general have joined in opposition to the agency's proposal, arguing that it would impede governments first responders and citizens from protecting people from the harm caused by toxic chemicals. Closed quote. Such impeding would increase the amount of human misery, suffering, pain, and death. The right-wing goal. 
If that's not their goal, then why else would they weaken this program? They know increased human misery, suffering, pain, and death will result. Right-wingers, like everyone, must be held accountable, must be assumed to desire the reasonably to be expected results of their actions. Now on to the third way right-wing policies will, with the right-wingers' full knowledge and consent, increase human misery, suffering, pain, and death. Much of the following is from a Bob Herbert column. The unfortunate fact is that cancer will strike almost half of all Americans in their lifetime. That's one out of every two men and one out of every three women. One of the ways the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention addresses this tragic situation is by running a breast and cervical cancer early detection program. Who does it help? It helps low-income women, those who have no insurance at all or are underinsured. Quote, the program is really designed to help working women, said Dan Smith, a senior vice president at the American Cancer Society. They may be working at a job that doesn't provide health insurance, but they're not the poorest of the poor who would qualify for Medicaid. Close quote. These women often don't have steady family physicians who stress the importance of their being regularly screened. What does this early detection program do? Quote, the program offers free mammograms, pap tests, and other early detection services. If they're diagnosed, said Mr. Smith, there's a complementary program that allows them to be immediately insured so they can actually have the coverage for their treatment. That's a great program as well. Close quote. So not only detection, but life-saving treatment is provided. Sounds wonderful, doesn't it? Has it worked? Yes. Quote, the early detection program is a good program because it has saved lives, said Dr. Harold Freeman, a senior advisor to the Cancer Society. The women who are served come from a population that has a proven higher death rate from cervical and breast cancer. Close quote. There is a general consensus that this program saves lives and also saves money. Can it be improved? Definitely. Right now, the main problem is there's only enough funding to cover one out of five eligible women. So, and I quote, a sensible policy position for the Bush administration would be to expand funding for the program so that it reached everyone who was eligible. In terms of overall federal spending, the result would be a net decrease. Preventing cancer or treating it early is a lot less expensive than treating advanced cancer. So what did this president do? He proposed a cut in the program of $1.4 million. This makes no sense, 
in human terms it is cruel from a budget standpoint it's self-defeating close quote let's hear what an expert has to say Dr. Harold Freeman has long had a specialty in the prevention and treatment of cancer. He characterized as short-sighted the economic rationale for the budget cut. Quote, It won't save money, he said. You don't save money by not diagnosing cancer early. You end up spending more money because anyone who develops cancer will get into the healthcare system and they will be treated. And the cost at that point will be a lot more. The logic here is very simple. The later you diagnose cancer of the breast or cervix, the more expensive it is to the country. Close quote. Are the right-wing Bushians happy with causing increased human misery, pain, suffering, and death in connection with just this one breast and cervical cancer early detection program? Of course not. The Bushians think big and are very thorough indeed when it comes to hurting and killing people. Quote, this is just one program in a range of cancer services that rely on support from the federal government. As if immune to the extent of human suffering involved, President Bush has proposed a barrage of cuts for these programs. What's really amazing, said Mr. Smith, is that the president cut every cancer program. He cut the colorectal cancer program. He cut research at the National Cancer Institute. He cut literally every one of our cancer-specific programs. It's incomprehensible, close quote. Not incomprehensible, just right-wing. Like with so many things, the right wing has run into a wall of opposition to these cruel and ultimately expensive program cuts. Quote, a bipartisan movement is underway in the Senate to block the president's proposed cuts. How that ultimately will fare is unclear. Close quote. So there you have it. The right wingers don't want us to know what hurts us. They cancel the children's study. The stuff we know already that kills us, they want to sneak more of it into our air and water. And once people do get deathly ill with cancer, the right-wingers don't want us to be diagnosed until it's too late. So again, ask your friendly local right-winger. Why on earth would you cut programs that save the government money in the long run and reduce the amount of human misery, suffering, pain, and death? Why? Is it economically sound to do so? Is it moral? The answer to both questions is no. It's economically unsound. Plus, it's immoral to the nth degree. And that's, of course, why right-wingers choose to do so. Now a word from another progressive podcaster and friend of Blast the Right, 
Jeff of Republicans Behaving Badly. Can anyone hear me? Can anyone hear me? This is a desperate message from the 21st century. America has been taken over by two drunk drivers, the president and the vice president. Thousands are dead. Thousands are in anguish. Millions of lives in the balance. We need help. We need help. There's one man. His name is Jeff. And Jeff tells the truth. Jeff exposes the Republicans on his show, Republicans Behaving Badly. GOP Exposed.blogspot.com. Jeff, what are you doing? It's four o'clock in the freaking morning. Come to bed. Daddy, I gotta get up and go to school. Republicans Behaving Badly. GOP Exposed.blogspot.com. There are a couple of O'Reilly clips you have to hear. Right-wing bullying and threats, I like to call it right-wing thuggery, is on perfect display here. Some great examples of the right-wing modus operandi. In the Talking Points memo that he opens his TV show with, O'Reilly recently said, in the weeks to come, we'll cover the story in a fair and balanced way, even giving the benefit of the doubt to the New York Times. But there is no doubt, ladies and gentlemen, that the Times has been unfair in its coverage of the Bush White House, and the paper also routinely uses personal attacks to hurt people with whom it disagrees. If that does not stop, Bill Keller and Frank Rich, to name the two main culprits, will not have a happy New Year. As they say in the auction world, Fair warning. In case you don't know, Bill Keller is the executive editor of the New York Times and Frank Rich is its senior op-ed columnist. Later that same show, Fox analyst Juan Williams asked, I, I, I couldn't, I was listening to your, your, your memo, the talking points, and there you are threatening Bill Keller and Frank Rich, and I thought, what are you going to do to them if they engage in the politics of personal attack against the president? It's a good question, Juan, and I, I don't see it as a threat. I mean, I think you have to say to people, as we do with all our guests here, um, this is what's likely to happen. And if they continue, those people continue to attack people personally, as Frank Rich does almost every week, and Keller allows it, then we'll just have to get into their lives. There's a new sheriff in town. Uh, you know, I'm not do I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. All right. But I can't allow this stuff to go unchecked. I'm the only person on television that's going to hold these people accountable. The only one. Because everybody fears them. But both of those men have, lo have led lives. And if they want to attack people personally, Rich and Print and Keller allowing it, then we're going to have to just show everybody about their lives. By the way, did you notice the psychophantic Juan Williams? There's a new sheriff in town. He's always doing stuff like that. Williams is a senior correspondent for NPR. He has a day job. Why does he have to kiss up to O'Reilly? Oh, I know. Williams is angling for his own Fox program. Anyway. Two days later, on his radio program, O'Reilly reiterated his threat, declaring it a secular fatwa. 
Last night on the uh, TV side, I uh, issued a fatwa. You know what a fatwa is? Yeah, a religious edict. Yeah, but it wasn't religious. It was a secular edict. Okay. Against the... It was uh, a, an O'Reilly edict. The hate Bush press. Um, the personal attack people. And I said, if you continue to do it, then we're going to lay out what you do in your life on the air. Now, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do it. And I made it quite clear that I don't want to do it. But enough's enough. It has to stop. And it's going to stop. New York Times, the worst offender. Um, they just will attack people personally when they, they don't have to. Stay on the issues. If the American public feels the Bush administration is dishonest or corrupt, the American public will deal with them through their senators and congresspeople. And they have in the polls already. You don't need to go in with cheap shot garbage and false reporting and stacking the deck and all of that. You know, let's be fair. Yes, being fair is a hallmark of Bill O'Reilly and Fox News. So, O'Reilly said if they don't do as he demands, Bill Keller and Frank Rich will not have a happy new year. We'll just have to get into their lives. We're going to have to just show everybody about their lives. We're going to lay out what you do in your life on the air. Sounds like blackmail, doesn't it? Has O'Reilly truly gone off the deep end? Before you listen to this last O'Reilly clip, you should be aware that Keith Olbermann has a show on MSNBC where he gives an award, I think daily, called The Worst Person in the World. He's given it to O'Reilly again and again. The caller you'll hear on the line with O'Reilly is Mike Stark from CallingAllWingnuts.com. Orlando, Florida. Mike, go. Hey, Bill. I appreciate you taking my call. Sure. Um, I like to listen to you during the day. I think Keith Overman show. There you go. Mike is uh, he's a gone guy. You know, we Out have this. We have your phone numbers, by the way. So if you're listening, Mike, we have your phone number. And we're going to turn it over to Fox Security. And you'll be getting a little visit. Maybe Mike is from the mothership. No, maybe Mike's going to get in big trouble. Because we're not going to play around. When you call us, ladies and gentlemen, just so you know, we do have your phone number. And if you say anything untoward, obscene, or anything like that, Fox Security, then we'll contact your local authorities, and you will be held accountable. Fair? That's fair. So just all you guys who do this kind of a thing, you know, I know some shock jocks, uh, whatever, you will be held accountable. Believe it. We'll be right back. So... The mere mention of Keith Olbermann's name is untoward or obscene. Wow. We have your phone number, and we're going to turn it over to Fox Security, and you'll be getting a little visit. If you say anything untoward, obscene, or anything like that, Fox Security then will contact your local authorities, and you will be held accountable. Threatening listeners and bigwigs at the New York Times alike, O'Reilly is an equal opportunity blowhard. I have a friend who doesn't have a TV and rarely listens to radio. 
she's actually never heard Bill O'Reilly. I sent her a CD with a bunch of my podcasts on it. Included among them are the ones where I have O'Reilly clips. She volunteered to me the other day that after hearing Bill O'Reilly for the first time, she feels like she, quote, lost her innocence. Yes, he is that vile. Tell me, what big shot right winger isn't? The kind of catapult the propaganda. In my line of work, you got to keep repeating things over and over and over again. The kind of catapult the propaganda. Catapult the propaganda. Well, that'll about wrap it up for today. If you think this podcast is deserving of wider circulation, then please tell all your friends about Blast the Right and post links to Blast the Right on online message boards. I'd appreciate it. A special shout-out to all the Red Dragon 365 listeners. Check out my podcast homepage and subscribe. Music Credits the bumper music was Not The One Blues by Bernshee Thornside. He's at Magnatune.com. The other bumper music was Catapult The Propaganda by Nye's Music, N-I-S-E Music.com. We'll close the podcast with a little bit of Taking My Country Back by Honky Tonkers for Truth. Links to that tune, as well as to all the music I play on the podcast, can be found on my music resources page, which is linked to off the main podcast homepage. Thanks to Tom Hartman for the Rush Limbaugh audio clip. And thanks to MediaMatters.org for the O'Reilly clips. Links to all the quotations and statistics I use can be found on my data resources page, also linked to off the main podcast homepage. I love to receive all your comments, pro and con. My email address is rational at adelphia.net. Also, you can call in and leave a comment for me to play on Blast the Right. Just dial 310-933-5891 and leave your message. If you're on Skype, you can Skype me at Jack from Blast the Right. So, until next time, I'll sign off and say I love you all, including all you right-wing misguided souls. Now you don't know my name, but you know who I am. I'm your everyday work hard, play hard, raise kids and pray hard, common man. And Lord knows I love this land. That's why I'm taking my country back. Son, you ain't been doing her right. Oh, I've been watching you. Don't like how you've been treating my stuff.